So listeners, uh, I have a little special here for you. I just got a call from Alfred Guy, and Alfred just had his fundraiser for Scares That Care not too long ago, which I'm hoping is very successful. He can let us know about that in a minute. Um, But Alfred has a story that he'd like to share with our listeners here in honor of Halloween, Alfred's least favorite holiday, as we can all tell. And um, (laughs) so Alfred, do tell us, uh, now, now you've got my interest. I get this text from you about this story. And of course, I can't let this go with me being the podcast junkie that I am and enjoying our um, fondness for scary. So, uh, Alfred, go ahead. The microphone is yours, my friend. The floor is yours. Thank you, Mike. I'd be happy to. And thanks for having me back on. And yes, Halloween is, um, this is my favorite time of year, fall and October and Halloween, not necessarily in that order. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, as you as you mentioned, we did have a virtual Halloween party last weekend for Scarcity Care, our charity, just to raise some money. And, to, and actually, the most important part was to get together and be able to kind of see some people. You know, we did a YouTube streaming. And as part of that, um, close to the midnight hour, I had recounted a tale that was told to me when I was a child. Um, this is purportedly, one, this is purportedly a true story that happened, and two, it happened in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, near the Temple University campus, where I wound up later on going to school. So let me go ahead and start the story. I have an aunt, and she has a son. Um, her name is Marion, like Maid Marion. And my cousin, her son, his name is John. They lived in North Philadelphia, again, the area near Temple University. And um, uh, growing up as a child, she was one of my favorite aunts. Um, and But since I was so young... We um we never spent time I never spent time there at her house alone because she lived several miles away from my parents. Well, when I got old enough, or what they thought was old enough, they decided to um let me have let me spend a weekend with my sister who was a lot younger. She really doesn't even remember any of this. Um, but, you know she picked it up after she heard the stories, but I don't think she remembers it. She was very young. This was this had to be in the early seventies. So I was around seven, eight, somewhere in that range, years old. Um, I remember I had to be that young because my brother either wasn't born, he was on the way, or he was a newborn. Okay. So that that would have put me at about seven or eight. And it would put my sister at about five, maybe six years old, probably around five. But we were allowed to spend the weekend with my Aunt Marion. So let me cut now to the actual story. My aunt lived in a very small apartment with her son. And the apartment actually just had two main rooms and a bathroom. Her room was the slash uh, bedroom slash living area, living room. And his room was basically kind of like a cut alcove where it was the kitchen and there was a small area where his bed was. And then you had a bathroom, you know, uh, tub, shower, that type of thing. And I think it was a step down when you open the door to the bathroom. So I'd like to let you know about a couple things that happened prior to the happening sure which was the big part so uh there was nothing you know um remarkable about the apartment it was i believe it was a three-story apartment building and it was it sort of looked like you know the old like row type apartments it wasn't like a complex or anything very old very old floor wooden floors very old wooden staircase that led up to her apartment which was the last apartment up the very top of the third floor, um, that's where the apartment was. Her windows overlooked the street, which was Columbia Avenue. 
mm-hmm. which led to Broad Street, the main thoroughfare that cuts, that bisects the city. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure, okay. So um, there you have the setup for where she was. And it was, you know, it was a, it was a typical lower middle class neighborhood. And um, it was, again, it was, it was not remarkable. However, there were a couple things that she felt were odd that happened in their home. Uh, one she recounted was that uh, there was a day she came home, uh, came home from work went into her area, which was a room away from the bathroom, and she heard uh, the, the tub being filled with water, and she figured that um, her son had gotten home from school earlier than usual, because usually he didn't come straight home from school, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and I think you do. So um, she went about her business, and then maybe a half an hour later, she heard the key in the door, and he had come into the house, into the apartment, and she said, well, I heard someone in the bathroom, I thought that was you, and he said, no. So the door was closed, and they they again heard some water running. So they they walked up to the door and opened the door, and there was nothing going on. There was no one in there. Um, that was an occurrence. Um, the second thing that happened was late at night, when it when they were both asleep, she heard a loud noise coming from his area, which was off the kitchen. And when she went in there, um, you know, she found him. He was, you know, had a nightmare or something, and he was under the bed. So um, when I say under the bed, I mean he was literally under the bed. What I mean is that the bed was turned completely 180 degrees upside down, and he was under that. So he he was still wrapped up in his blanket, and his pillow was on top of his head, and the bed was on top of him. With the legs of the bed facing the ceiling, like it had been picked up and turned over on him. Wow. Um, so, you know, they kind of, you know, I guess you can do that when things happen. They, they shook that off and didn't bother about it anymore. Mm. I, I think it led to her wanting to do some kind of, you know, I guess remodeling or just like moving things around and making <laughs> things seem fresh. One of the things she did, she took the bed that was in her area and moved it away from one of the corners into the middle of the floor and then, then arranged all of the other things around that. So it was kind of like the centerpiece now instead of off to one side. So her bed was practically in the dead center of the um, living room floor. Mm-hmm. So shortly after that, she began to have these nightmares and night terrors, and they got more intense each night. Wow. Um, and, th- and they would evolve. So at first it was just like the uncomfortable sleep. But after that, she could sense someone in the room. And then a few days after that, she not only sensed the person in the room, she could actually see the person or whatever it was supposed to have been. Hmm. Um, That the eyes, she could see the eyes in the darkness and looking at where the eyes was, the shadowy figure couldn't have been any more than three, three and a half feet tall. It would appear to her um, a few feet from the bed near near the front window that faced out to Columbia Avenue. And it would approach her and it would wail as it approached her and then it would kind of fade. But each night that she had this nightmare, it seemed to get a little bit closer. The um, the most horrific part of this was when it finally reached her and she, and this is her in her words, it tried to drag her out of the bed by her leg. Um, so she fought with it and, and managed to get it off of her. And this would happen almost every night. When it got to that point, it was trying to drag her out of the bed. 
um, she started telling people, like my parents, who, of course, didn't believe her. And um, she was trying to find out a way she could prove this or figure out what's going on. So she actually had her son and one of my other cousins, Carlos, who spent the weekend, like I wound up doing later, um, spent the weekend there. They, she actually asked them to sleep in the bed. And she didn't go into a big reason why, but she was going to sleep in the other room. Mm. Well, she didn't go to sleep. She sat up and watched them. And as they fell asleep, they began to have nightmares. That evening, my aunt didn't see anything, but they were tossing and turning and kind of like moaning in their sleep like they were upset. And she didn't see the shadowy three foot tall figure. But what she did see was both of both of the children edging toward the bed like somebody was pulling them out of it. Hmm. And she rushed over and woke them up, and they didn't know that. All they knew is that they had very upsetting dreams, and they were crying, and she was consoling them. And then she told, again, told the adults like what had happened, and they still didn't believe her. So she started to ask around the complex about, um, had anything going on there? Did anybody know a history of the place? And here's what she found. Apparently, there was a person there who's basically a recluse, um, an ornery person who really never spoke to anybody. And if he did, it wasn't anything positive. Um, lived by himself, only went out supposedly to go to work because no one really even knew or learned what he did because he didn't speak to anyone. Hmm. Um, after a certain period of time, uh, I guess the people in the apartment building noticed that they hadn't seen him come out, you know, come and go. Um, there was a, an odd smell coming from that area up from the top floor. Mm. So they called and had police and fire come in. They had to, um, knock the door in with a fire ax and walk through when they got to the living area slash bedroom area that she had set up that same area. When they got there, they found, they found this old man, um, on his knees in the middle of the floor, almost petrified by that time um and so it said that she her her rationale was that the figure that she saw the shadowy figure was only about three feet tall because it was him on his knees huh. wow. and um and and he was dragging her because she was in the spot that he died when she had moved to bed oh wow that was that's what that's her rationale for what had happened so she went back and re-rearranged the furniture and a few days after that, the nightmares, you know, calmed down until they completely went away. Wow. And so that was her story. She says it happened. So now that's not the, the scary part of it. Okay. And here's the scary part. The first time that I was told that story was the weekend that I went to spend with her in that apartment, in that room. <laughs> right. Wow. As a seven-year-old, that was the first time I knew what she said happened in that room. And I will admit, I didn't, well, I was a child, I don't have to really admit, I didn't sleep at all. And I, I stayed outside after she told me the story, because when she told me the story, the sun was still up. Mm. So I stayed outside until she forced me to come inside because it was dark. Mm -hmm. And I had, call my, I had her call my mom to come get me, but my parents said that they weren't coming back until Sunday to get me and bring me home. <laughs> and I was petrified. Mm. Wow. And uh, that's the story. As I, as I grew older, um, I'd go back and talk to my cousins. Mm -hmm. They 
did not see anything, but they do remember the night that they had the nightmares. And I talked to my aunt, you know, years later Mm -hmm. when I had grown up and she still maintained that it is something that happened. She wasn't making it up to scare the kids. And, Mm. and, you know, my parents still say, yeah, she says it's true. We say that, you know, she's got, you know, she's playing with a short deck, if you know what I mean. So (laughs) that's the way they felt about it. But she maintained and she's still, she's still around. She's still Mm -hmm. with us. She maintains that that did happen. Wow. 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 That's something. That's something. That's, uh, wow. That, that, that's, that's quite a story, Alfred. Jeez, it is, you know? And, um, yeah. And then, and then the thing is, you know, with her, you know, giving that amount of detail and then finding out exactly what happened to that guy years later. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's something else right there. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, bud. You know, I really, uh, appreciate you coming on, uh, coming back to the show and everything, you know, we do have a couple of plans coming up here, um, that we're, uh, you know, that we're going to be, uh, collaborating on here on foul players radio, um, having, uh, Alfred here who, you know, you and I have worked together on a number of projects and then I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have you come in to work on this with you to do some co-hosting on the uh, show, which, uh, we'll elaborate on as the day gets closer here, but, um, very good, very good. You're always good for a good scare. I gotta tell you, man. That's uh, <laughs> that's something. That, that's really something. But this was a great story, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing it with us and everything. So, um, pleasure, my pleasure. So, how's Halloween season going for you so far? Well, again, my my, my favorite season had a, had a really great weekend last week with the with the charity work, mm-hmm. and and when I well, actually when I did. When I told the story for them on the on the live feed, mm-hmm. I was actually outside on my deck, and oh. um, so that was a really good atmosphere. So I've been enjoying it. Oh. You know, fall weather, mm-hmm. you know, not the rain, not so much, but you know, the leaves turning in the fall weather. I, I always enjoy it. Wow, wow. You know, um, well, that's wonderful. Well, that's wonderful. Well, Alfred, thanks for stopping by and checking in with us and everything. Again, we'll be hearing more from Alfred very soon here on Foul Players Radio, and thank you all for listening. We will see you all next time. This is Alfred Guy joining us again on Foul Players Radio. Thanks, Mike. My pleasure.